morning, Gateway Church. We are a growing family after God's heart. Finally, it feels like spring. The smells and the sights and the sounds of spring are everywhere. Spring is a time of growth. Did you hear the call in the neighborhood? I don't know if you have. I did in my neighborhood. I live in a neighborhood now. When I used to live in the country, certain things were like you didn't have to worry about. Though you, you did certain things, but now that I live in a neighborhood, got neighbors to the right, neighbors to the left, front of me, behind me, got they're all over the place. The call that begins the games. Let the yard games begin. That's not, that's not my line. That's your line. Paul Hanson, I got that line from him. Let the yard games begin. You know that guy who blows the trumpet? He has the nicest looking lawn in the neighborhood. You might be that guy. If you're that guy, let me just see who you are here. Nobody's going to rape you of you. I don't like you. <laughs> I love you in Christ, but that doesn't mean I have to like you. So we had a couple, one person, Terry, raised his hand. I'm, check his lawn out. I want to make sure that he's winning in the yard games. How are the rest of you doing? Personally, I'm going to tell you how I'm doing. I'm dead last in the neighborhood. Right now, my yard looks like a bad haircut. It's the worst, most scraggly-looking lawn on the block. Don't come over and look at it, all right? Don't look at my address, find out where Pastor Paul lives. It's a a long, long, long ways from here. (laughs) The property values in my neighborhood are plummeting, Chris, because of me. I'm getting that look as people walk by our house. You know that look. Like, wow, sure glad you moved into the neighborhood. (laughs) Why is that? Because a few weeks ago, I had Larry Morrell dump a big load of black dirt on my lawn. I swallowed hard. And I said to myself, "Uh uh-oh, that's a lot of dirt, Larry. Where's Larry at? He said, that's the dimensions he gave me. (laughs) I went, oh, my word. I don't even think I have that much line. (laughs) My elevations are going to go way up. It took two and a half weeks for my boys and a few other guys I was the manager, all right? I'm a great manager. To spread that dirt out. It was over 100 wheelbarrows. I mean, we finally did it. And my job was to spread or sow the seed. And I I put it on thick. And I started watering the ground daily. 
But I was beginning to have some doubts. There was hardly a sign of life in my lawn. I had patches of green all over the place, of course. What's going on here? I talked to my neighbors, Jeff and Mike and Danny and Lucy. I asked them, did you see me sow the seed? Or was I just dreaming that I did? They said, yeah, we saw you. But boy, it doesn't look that great. <laughs> Looks rough out there. Then I saw small little signs that something's going on. And I'm learning a lesson. Here's the lesson. You have to trust the soil, and you have to trust the seed. I have good soil. I sowed the seed. I'm watering it. The lesson is, don't doubt the seed. Don't doubt the seed. Regardless of what the field of your life looks like today, this morning, here's what I want you to do in the Spirit. Just keep adding rich black soil to it. If you have to. And then keep sowing the seed. and Water it. That's what we do here Sunday mornings. I mean, it's like you get a you get a scoop of great black dirt. We come in as a body of Christ, as Deanna was sharing. We worship together collectively, but then we open up our hearts, the soil of our hearts, right here, and we receive what? The seed. Don't doubt the seed. Let the seed germinate in your spiritual heart. Let it take root. Water it through the week. Think about what it was that Dr. Alexander had to share, some of the take-homes in his class. Think about a few things that I'm sharing today. That's what you do to water the seed. The condition of the soil is the receptivity you have to the word when it's sown. And the seed will produce fruit. God will see to it. So give yourself fully to the word of God. Let it do its work. So the seed today, here from this pulpit, continuing in our series through 1 John, six chapters, we're almost through four chapters. The passage that we come to today is first, I, you know, I don't always get to choose what I preach on because I go, I go through the passages and I ask the Holy Spirit as I study to help me put this thing together. But here's the next passage. Sometimes when you see him, you're like, yeah, can't wait to hear that word. Sometimes when you see it, you go, wow, well, good luck. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to think on this passage, but here it is. We love... We talked about God's love last week. This week, we love because he first loved us. Love is, is vertical and horizontal. We love vertical. We love God. We love horizontal. We love one another because God first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, that's vertical, yet hates a brother or sister, that's horizontal, is a liar. 
For whoever does not love their brother and sister, that's horizontal, whom they have seen, cannot love God vertical, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God vertical must also love their brother and sister. What? What was that? Horizontal. John is writing to the family of Christ. He's writing to brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the context here. It's the fellowship of the body of Christ. The principle of love can be and should be applied to non-believers, but the word that John has here is to brothers and sisters, those in the church, right here, and those who aren't with us today, who but who say, this is the fellowship, this is the local congregation that I unite with. What's John's point? It's a direct, straightforward word. And I'm going to give it to you on the front end of my message. Here's the message. Here's the take home. Number one, horizontal matters. Love being directed from brother to brother, like Pastor Joel was talking about today in that illustration, brother to brother, sister to sister, brother to sister, sister to brother. It's a big deal. Us loving each other here in this body is a big deal to God. This is not optional in the body of Christ, but mandatory. There's no exemptions. There's not that line anywhere. To really love most often, listen now, it's not based on my feelings and your feelings. Most often it's what? It's a choice I make in obedience to God. It's not because the person is worthy of love. Many times they're not, but because he's worthy. That's why I love. That's why you love. If it's based on if we're worthy or not, we won't love one another. But if it's based on the fact that he is worthy, and because I love God so much, because you love God so much, you're going to love one another. You know what I'm saying? Does someone come to mind right now that you have a hard time in the body? Just look straight ahead, all right? Don't look around. <laughs> all I see is walls here. No. Two. Horizontal requires initiative. We'll talk about that when we go back and listen to Jesus' words and teaching because John was inspired by Jesus. John said, I'm the one that, I mean, he wrote it in his, he's like, I'm the guy, I'm the one that Jesus loves, the beloved one. He laid his head on Jesus' breast. He was the guy that, that had that kind of relationship with Jesus. He knew Jesus. He knew his heart. 
Horizontal authenticates vertical. The credibility of Jesus is constantly on the line. How we love each other gives credibility to the gospel. Jesus said these words, the world will know me by what? You know it, by their love. It's a big deal. You may not have heard these three statements in the verses I just read. Maybe not the exact words, but... Those take-homes are right there in John 4, 19 through 21. John talked about hate. Try to get back to that verse. It's a pretty strong word. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Most of us would say, I don't really hate so-and-so. I mean, I just don't like them. They tick me off. I'm struggling to be nice to them. And I do avoid them. I do give them the cold shoulder. We do that. And whatever else childish behaviors that we do. But I don't hate them. Well, let's see what Jesus has to say, right? Jesus connects the emotion of anger that we often have towards people, he connects that emotion of anger to hate on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 21 through 24. You have heard that it was said, Jesus said to the people long ago in the law, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with who? with a brother or sister, will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka. I'm just like, what's that? Never heard of that word before. Is answerable to the court. The word Raka is a word that doesn't have an English translation. That's why it's placed in the Bible, just simply Raka. It's such a strong word. It literally means to a person, to call a person raka, means to say to that, communicate to that person, you're a valueless person. To call someone the Aramaic word raka is literally to call him empty or her empty headed. Commentaries suggest a number of more contemporary substitutes like numbskull, nitwit, blockhead, bonehead, jerk, brainless idiot. Raka is used in deadly earnest demotes another person to the level of nothing, a nobody, 
It is an utterly contemptuous word. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in the danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift to who? Vertical. If you're offering your gift at the temple, the altar there, and there you remember that your brother or sister or horizontal has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come back and offer the gift. Lord, in the next five five minutes, Lord, Holy Spirit, move on our hearts. We want to be the kind of body that brings you honor in all of our relationships, God. So speak to our hearts, Lord. I think there's good soil here. May the seed find a place in this rich soil. In Jesus' name. If I could summarize this passage in a phrase, this is what I would say. This is my commentary. It's really simple. It always is. To go vertical, I have to first go horizontal. That's what Jesus is saying. To go vertical in my expression of worship to God, that's what he's talking about, offering pure worship, I have to first go, or I must take care of business on the horizontal between us, our relationships in the body. If I want my worship to be pure, sincere, acceptable, I must do all I can to reconcile with my brothers and sisters in Christ where a breach in the wall has taken place because I can't go vertical in true worship to God without first dealing with the horizontal. I may go through the motions, but the offering to God is just really not that great. Therefore, number one, horizontal matters. That's what Jesus is getting at when he said in verse 24, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, if your desire is to go vertical, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, horizontal requires initiative. If I'm worshiping God Sunday morning, and I have my hands lifted high to Jesus, and I remember that there's a brother There's a sister. There's someone that there's an offense. I just need to say, Lord, I I ask you to help me breach that wall. Help me go to that person. Be reconciled. Then come. That may not sound like much, but it's huge. Why is that? Because the implication being, if you've gone all the way from here, where where is Jesus teaching? I want to show you something. Where, where, Where was the Sermon on the Mount given? It was right north of the Sea of Galilee, right here. Okay, it's a big picture. Capernaum's right there. See that? 
That's somewhere over here is the Sermon on the Mount. That's where he was giving this greatest sermon ever preached. He's, he's a long ways away from the temple. Where's the temple? It's Jerusalem. From Capernaum to Jerusalem. It's over 100 miles. That person that came from Capernaum all the way to Jerusalem with their offering in hand, Jesus says, if you know of someone that you have an offense that you need to make right, you need to stop, don't give it, go all the way back here. Be reconciled. Then when you are reconciled, come all the way back then again to Jerusalem. I mean, wow. Here's some of the past. This is the terrain. I mean, it wasn't just a flat as the crow flies, a straight line. I mean, check it out. There's mountains here. There's valleys. There's deserts. I mean, can you imagine if Jesus had a GoPro on his head? Wouldn't that look cool? And, you know, he were to go through the... And we were to see it all. I don't have time to show it. I, I have a clip. Someday, maybe I'll show this clip of the geography. Then you would go to the temple. What is the point that Jesus is making? Would, would I, would you be willing to go all the way back to Capernaum? All the way back. To seek out and try to reconcile with a brother or sister. And then turn around. Walk all the way back. That's a long way. That offering you would give to God after you did that, guess what your hands would be? Clean. Your heart would be pure. It's hard stuff. Our tendency is to not take the initiative, but to wait for the person to come to us. If they have a problem with me, they can come and find me. That's the message we communicate. But that's not what Jesus told us to do. That would be easier in one way. Number three, horizontal authenticates the vertical. The word authenticate means to establish as genuine. Do you want your worship to be genuine to God? Check out your horizontal relationships. Horizontal legitimizes, validates, makes my vertical credible, not counterfeit. Then come back. Pick up your undefiled gift. Offer it to God with clean hands, pure heart. It's acceptable, not a God. So this is the application. Please listen. Is there someone you have written off that Jesus wants you to write back in? You can start your own write-in campaign today. Who would be the write-in on your ballot? This journey to reconciliation 
goes both ways. When I need to go, I need to take the initiative and do it to that brother or sister. But I also need to, need to be open and receptive when someone travels back to Capernaum to talk to me. I've been in both places. It's hard, but it's well worth it. I've been there. I've gone back to Capernaum. Doesn't always work, but it's worth it to be obedient to the Lord. It's worth it just to say to a brother or sister, is there something wrong? Have I offended you in some way? Because you have value to me. I've had people come to me and ask me. It's great just to kind of clear the air and get things settled. It can restore a relationship. It always brings glory to God. In conclusion, who would you be willing to go back to Capernaum to talk to? Along with a simple outline, I want you to think of three words as we close. Someone, sometime, somewhere. Someone. Who? Who would that be? The Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Sometime. Don't wait around this week. Put it on the calendar. Make some kind of contact. Somewhere. Maybe it's Caribou or Starbucks or Perkins to have coffee. But do something. Do you know how strong the body would become? It'd be stronger than it already is. We'd have incredible credibility with the world. It's one thing that the body of Christ ought to do well. They should excel here. We may not excel in all areas, but the area that we should do exceptionally well is forgiveness and love. I mean, really love one another. Go the extra mile and communicate. You have value. You are worth it. Remember that message a couple of weeks ago? You are worth it. That's what God says to me. That's what I say to you. And I'd walk all the way to Capernaum to make things right and then walk all the way back to Jerusalem. Wouldn't that be something if that's what we would actually do? It'd be amazing. So Jesus, we had an incredible time of worship today. And God, I pray that it was a sweet-smelling incense, Lord, in your, your, your eyes, your presence. Help us do the work, Lord. Someone sometime, somewhere. God, I'd ask that that would happen to make this body stronger so that you would get more glory.
people would hear the name of Jesus and say, wow, I don't understand what's going on there, but they really love and forgive one another. We ask for this now in Jesus' name.